Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Hey, welcome. This special edition of The Root of All Success, this is a replay of a guest appearance that where I was a guest on the Radcast with Ryan Alford. We recorded this in late August of 2023. It was released in early September, and I thought it would be a great replay because I think Ryan and I had a great conversation about what it means to exit without exiting and, and how that applies to you as an entrepreneur. So here it is, the replay of the Radcast with Ryan Alford as me, the real Jason Duncan, as the guest. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the latest edition of the Radcast. I'm Ryan Alford, your host. I want to thank you for making us number one in business and marketing on Apple Podcasts. And thanks to our good sponsor, Vacay, www.takeavacay.com, V-A-Y-C-A-Y, the only way to take a vacay. I'm here today with my good friend, we aren't talking about the fake. We're talking about the real, the real Jason Duncan. What's up, Jason? Man, it's good to be here, dude. Hey, I like it. Nash Vegas, Nashville, South, rolling deep. We got Tennessee and South Carolina, you know, rolling on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go, baby. I know. I uh, I love Nashville. I mean, I, I'm sure you've, you've grown, you're kind of over it probably on some level, I guess, like I would imagine, oh, yeah. maybe not. I don't know if I lived somewhere, you don't maybe appreciate it as much or you, you do appreciate it, but you, maybe you get tired of all the tourists. <laughs> well, I don't, you know, I don't do anything in Nashville. So, so occasionally we'll go to concerts and stuff like that. We went to a concert. My wife wanted to go to see a lady at the CMA theater, which I'd n- never been to. And it's in the Country Music Hall of Fame building. And that was a cool deal. It was it was like, I don't know, four or 500 seats, small auditorium. And it was cool. Uh, but we don't do a lot. We certainly don't end up downtown on Broadway walking around with all the, the woo girls is what we call them. It's all the bachelorette parties that every time somebody says something, they all go, woo. <laughs> and so it's, we don't, we're not into that. But, um, but yeah, Nashville is completely different, man. When I was a kid, it, 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 this is like a completely different country. Than when I was a kid growing up, uh, so it's it's significantly different. And there's cranes everywhere, there's construction everywhere. They're building every single place you can imagine. Yeah, man, Greenville, South Carolina is on the end of that spectrum. We're a smaller city, but we're in one. Of, we're in. We've made all the magazines. There's cranes on every corner here too. So like, I think the word's out on the south. <laughs> I lived. Uh, I lived in Taylor's, South Carolina, ah. which is not far from Greenville. <laughs> Uh, for one summer during college, I had an internship in Taylor's 
And we ended up, you know, hanging out in Greenville doing all that stuff. Oh, you get real cred if you know Taylor's. I mean, I'm telling you, you know, not, not everyone's ever heard of Greenville, but, you know, we are on like all the Condé Nast and all that fancy shit. But you start throwing Taylor's around, people know, think you, you, you know, you know what you're talking about. I grew up in Taylor's, I went to Eastside High School, which is in Taylor's, South Carolina, part of Greenville County. And uh, so, yeah, I, uh, that's all in the hood right there, brother. But cool, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. I know we're going to get down to dirty and talk exit without exiting. I like the branding on the shirt already. Man's come prepared. He's wearing the brand. That's He's right. got the real Jason Duncan hat. He's got the shirt. That's what I'm talking about. Talk to me, Jason. Too, let's, talk, let's, let's start down uh, you that professional career building to today and what you're up to. Well, I started out as an unemployed school teacher when I started my business, and um, but I, so I taught I taught school for four years before I became an entrepreneur. Um, I was in ministry before that for thirteen years before I went into teaching. So entrepreneurship was kind of third career for me. Um, I, I never really thought about becoming an entrepreneur. I never really had that aspiration, even as a kid. My, my, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad worked for AT&T his whole life and was Navy Reserves. My parents' parents and everybody, nobody owned a business. No, nobody, nobody. And so it never even crossed the, 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 the threshold of my consciousness to it occurred to me that I could own a business. And in 1990, I think it was 1996, 95, I got married in 95. So in 96, um, we went to this, conference downtown and they were talking about you to start your own business i didn't know what i was getting into but it was right at the dawn of the internet i mean the world wide web mm -hmm. 95 96 right around there and so i started a business a website design company back then with the help of this company that wanted it was pretty much just take your money and we'll show you how to start a business and they took all they do was take my money and i had that <laughs> business for a little while but i really wasn't an entrepreneur i think i shut it down after six months Fast forward, it was 2010 before I took that leap again into entrepreneurship. And of course, life completely changed when I went, went all in. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting. My wife is uh, a principal at a middle school. Uh, oh. And uh, I uh, there's a soft place in my heart for anyone that was in education. And, I mean, education and ministry. Hey, man. I mean, like, you, 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 you deserve all the Hail Marys and the Amens and the Hallelujahs and the praise the Lord from the back of the pulpit. <laughs> I'll give it all to you, brother. Those, that's two, two challenging and rigid paths. Well, it's been, it, it, it was formative, right? I mean, I, I, I got out of ministry in, in 2006. Uh, couldn't handle it anymore. I was just fed up, couldn't do that vocational ministry like that. Let's be clear. Vocational ministry. Yeah. I got out of that. And then I went and I went back to school, got a master's in education, started teaching school. And I fell in love with that. Teaching to me was at the time, the greatest thing I could ever do. I really believe that God put me on this earth to be a teacher, not necessarily a classroom teacher, but as a teacher, I am a teacher. That's who I am. So I taught four years in the classroom and and my principal came to me in the spring of 2011. It was April of 2011. And he said, hey, man, we need to sit down and have a conversation. I said, what? He goes, man, I'm not going to be able to renew your contract for f next next fall. And I said, what's up? Like, I was the number one teacher in the county for my subject matter. I was I was a great teacher. I had my, I had my administration license. My 
my goal was to be a principal at some time, at some point in the future. I wanted to be in education for the rest of my life. And he said, man, coming out of the great recession, you know, the tax revenues down, we have to make cuts. And I'm the last, I was the last guy hired in that building. I didn't have, I didn't have tenure and that's how they made the decision. So, you know, that was a bad day, but, but I came out of that day thinking, what am I going to do next? Am I going to find another teaching job? There weren't any to be found. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I go back to the corporate world? I, di- I didn't really want to go back. I certainly wasn't going back to ministry, but I didn't want to go back in the corporate world, do anything like that. So I doubled down. I said, man, listen, I, I've, I had started this business a year before just kind of as a hobby. I really wasn't intended to do anything with it. And now I'm faced with needing to make a decision about my future. And I said to my wife, I said, look, April, uh, that was in April. I said, uh, August 15th is my last paycheck. So school's out in May. I've got until August to figure something out. So that summer I worked my tail off and I ended up, uh, I said, if I can't close the deal by August 15th, I'll go get a job. And I closed the deal on August the 12th, three days before my self-imposed deadline. Uh, that ended up turning out to be a $2.3 million project. Hmm. So it worked. <laughs> what, uh, what exactly were we doing? What were we, uh, what was the path there? So, well, I, so this company that I'd started the year prior was with a friend of mine. He, he was a mad scientist kind of guy, liked to invent stuff. And he wanted to design an onboard hydrogen generator for automobiles. It's like, all right, so <laughs> I don't know anything about that. I taught American history. I didn't teach science. I didn't teach any of this stuff. So I thought, well, okay, we'll, we'll give it a shot. So we started the company and I had no intentions of ever not teaching. It was not ever supposed to be a job for me or business or anything. It was just, I, Bill wanted to do it. So let's go do it. Well, then here we come into the spring of 11, a year later, and that this whole thing happened that I just shared. And I said, well, there's no way I'm going to make any money at this business through with hydrogen and ethanol and these other things that we were working on. I said, but we already have an energy-based idea company, right? Mm-hmm. The, the name of the company is Future Vision Energy. What can I do in the energy space that I can sell energy efficiency? And so I started looking at opportunities and I found LED lights. And so I transitioned the company away from alternative energy to energy efficiency. We're going to sell LED lights to large commercial buildings for the purpose of saving money on their energy expenses. And that's what I did. So we ended up getting the most number of contracts and hospitals of any company across the country over the next 10 years. Uh, We did a lot of big manufacturers, uh, distribution centers. We were working all over the country. Hmm. That's a... It's interesting watching the the lighting change, you know, like I just put in some bulbs at the house today and uh, I sometimes like miss the uh, power of the halogens. The LEDs have actually caught up finally. I think (laughs) I remember you remember you put in the LEDs and you'd like, damn, it's just not quite as bright or whatever. I think we've just surpassed that finally. Well, yeah, the, the thing about light, you know, if you go back and look at when Thomas Edison it was credited with inventing the light bulb. He actually didn't invent the light bulb. Somebody else invented the light bulb. What he invented was the commercially viable light bulb, the one that could sell and work. <laughs> and and but his light bulb, his light bulb was a heat bulb that also put off light. That's really what it was. It, 90% of the energy turned into heat, only 10% turned into light. 
Well, LEDs are exactly the opposite. 90% of the energy that goes through an LED go, turns into light and only 10% turns into heat. But when they first came out for commercial use, what nobody understood at that point was the, the Kelvin. Kelvin is the temperature of the light. So the higher the Kelvin color, the wider, and then eventually the bluer it becomes. And the lower the Kelvin, the yellower, the warmer that it becomes. And so incandescent bulbs are always on the low end of the Kelvin scale. They're really warm. And then you get an LED light that was a high end of the Kelvin scale. They look so different. Your brain says one's brighter than the other. In fact, they were both the same brightness, but perceptions are very different. Yes. I like that warm light. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what it is. Now they've got the warm LED lights. At least they say that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, you can get any Kelvin you want <laughs> in an LED. It just has to be tuned correctly. Exactly. So uh, we blow up a company. We're selling, doing well, but I think we got we're we're hitting like I'm hearing all the good stuff, but I feel like we're uh, we're building towards some dissatisfaction somewhere, even in all the success. So like many entrepreneurs, I was working probably 50, 60 hours a week in the business. We had a very strong seven figure bottom line. We were killing it. Things were going well. 2018 was my best year, still to this day, best year I've ever had in you know, personal finances. It was just, it was a really good year. 2019, three big issues hit my personal life. One was business. One was business and personal mixed and one was personal. All three separate issues that didn't have anything to do with each other, but they all hit at the same time, the same year. And as a result, my working hours in the business halved. Like I probably was doing an average of 30 hours a week because the other 30 hours a week, I was paying attention to these three issues. And I could get into what that was, but it was a business partner issue. I had a friend slash business thing that we were doing together that went sideways and they had some other stuff going on on the personal side. All these collided at the same time. I took my eye off the business ball and tried to figure out how to deal with all this crap that was going on in my life. 2019 was the first year we ever lost money as a company. And at the end of the year, as frustrated as I was with it, I had to admit that the reason we've lost money was because of me. I had taken my eye off the ball and I had pulled myself out of the business to focus on these other things, thinking, hey, my team will handle it. Everything will keep going. It's all going to be great. When in fact, I discovered that I had built a business that was reliant upon, upon my presence to succeed. And that's what happened in 2019. And that started changing the way I was going to be thinking about how I was going to handle business ownership from that point forward. I think, I mean, you know, I've owned multiple companies now and I've, I think a lot of people go through that, you know, it's like the company existing without them, but, and I think a lot of people do it to themselves maybe. And then sometimes obviously you've got systems. We're going to be talking about that with, on exit without exiting, but like, it's a control thing, but then sometimes it's just, you've set yourself up and the company for failure because maybe you're just too important. Sometimes it's because you think you're in too important. Maybe you're not, but, but other times it is like the skill set that's like, I don't know, the glue of the company maybe that holds it together. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs go through that challenge. So I think it, it's something that I think everyone hits that scales. Like we don't get wrong. If you're, 
you know, it's funny to me, like it, it doesn't matter. It's not judgment thing, but like if you own a company and it's just, you're the only employee, that's not really a company that's called a, you know, a job, you know, the kind of that you created for yourself. But, yep. but if you've got employees and you scaled, uh, you're going to hit this wall at some point. It's got to be as you've developed what you've developed. I'm sure a common thing that you hear and have seen. Well, I, I refer to that as the hero syndrome. Yeah. And the hero syndrome is when we see ourselves as the hero of our business, the only person qualified to put on the cape and save the day. And the hero syndrome is certainly understandable, acceptable, even expected during the first maybe year of the business. But certainly past that, you're only your hamstring in your entire business. Imagine, imagine your business is a baby, your baby. So many entrepreneurs carry that baby around for that first year thinking they're doing a great service to the business. We're taking care of it. I'll carry it everywhere it goes. I'll feed it. I'll, I'll do what I'll change it, do whatever it needs to do. But as soon, the business starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we finally get to the point where, man, I can't carry this thing anymore. And we set it down. And what happens? It doesn't have the capacity to stand on its own. And the business will die. And this is why 74, 75% of businesses never sell. They go to the grave with the business owner because the business owner carried it around until it couldn't, he couldn't carry it anymore. And when he sits it down, it dies. And so does the business owner. And that's why I looked at this opportunity and said, look, I can either at the end of 2019, I had a decision to make. Now that I realize that I am the problem, I can either say, all right, I'll go fix it. I'll get back in 60 hours a week and make it, um, you know, a seven figure bottom line again, rather than a negative. I'll make it. And I could have done that. But for me, I said, the, I took the other option. I want out. <laughs> I'm done. I'll sell the business. I'm out. And my business coach looked at me. He's like, dude, it's not sellable. Hmm. I said, what do you mean? He said, the reason you want to sell it is the reason no one else will buy it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, well, well, then what are my options? He goes, I don't know, man. He goes, this is new. Let's figure this out together. And that's when, over the course of the next few months, I started figuring out, oh, I can, I can exit without exiting. I can exit without selling it. And so I started figuring out what to do to get myself out. And by the end of 2020, I was putting in maybe 10 hours a week and the business, of course, COVID interrupted everything, but, but with COVID notwithstanding, the business was finally moving back in the right direction, profitability, et cetera, without me in the middle of it. And that's what exit without exiting allowed me to do. Maintain ownership, maintain financial benefits, maintain tax benefits, et cetera but not have to be involved in the daily operations. Do you still own or have uh, involvement with that business? I do own it. I put about 10 hours per year in that business now. <laughs> so I've got a new CEO that runs everything. My team takes care of it. It continues, they continue to do business all across the country. Um, I, the, my most interaction with that, with, with the company is uh, I use the training room for many of my live events that I do with my coaching clients. <laughs> so I'll go up there and I'll say, hey, I'm gonna use the training room for a couple of days. And they're like, all right, cool. And that's it. <laughs> that's my <laughs> biggest involvement in the company. There you go. You've truly exited without exiting. <laughs> that, that's right. That sounds like exiting with exiting, but uh, Ed, but I guess you still own it. So there, there you right. go. What's, uh, talk to me about some of that process. I know people, um, can work with you and you've got training and all that, but let's talk about some of the pillars and maybe some of the, the fruit of the courses and the process that you kind of put together. So 
there's four things that I kind of discovered throughout the process that of, of exiting that if these four things are done and really in this order, anybody can do this. The first is embrace delegation. So I teach a lot of my coaching clients and I speak a lot on this, I write on this topic is this idea of delegation. And what I've found over the years of, of now doing this professionally, helping people understand it is that nobody understands what delegation really is. Nobody. I've not met a single person, perhaps you included, who truly understands what delegation is. And I didn't either until I tried, I was desperate and had to figure a way through. Most people think delegation is just assigning a task to somebody. You do this. And okay, I delegated. No, that's only one third of delegation. Delegation, there's more to it. Delegation is about assigning and trusting and empowering that person to do the task on his own. That's delegation. And there's a lot of nuance to it. But if you want to exit your business, that's where everything starts. You have to embrace that. The second thing I learned was you have to eliminate stress. Stress is a killer. Stress will keep you up at night and then stress leaks. It leaks into the way you look at finances, the way you handle finances, the way you look at your employees, the way you hire your employees, the way you manage your employees. Employees get stressed. Everything in the business gets stressed. And have you ever gone into a business where you just felt like everybody was on edge? <laughs> oh yeah. Those businesses don't do well. And so stress has to be eliminated. And the third thing is systems and process. You got to establish the right systems and processes. Now, if you listen to most Instagram gurus, TikTok gurus, you listen to all the guys on YouTube and they're going to say, that's the first step is systematize everything. Okay. But here's the thing. If you system, you put systems and processes in place, but you still are stressed and you haven't learned to delegate, you're going to have a system that is stressed and you still have to pay attention to it. Like that's the, so the systems are the third step. And then the fourth step is invest in people. You really have to make sure you do proper financial and emotional and psychological investments into your people because they're the ones you're going to entrust to run the organization after you step away to do whatever it is you want to do next. <laughs> Did uh, I imagine, and you said it, that you're a teacher, you know, so some of this was baked into you. Like, like obviously you came up with the curriculum and you've got the, the knowledge and, you know, a lot of, I don't know, meat on the bone, but I would think this has gotten more in maybe your passion point. Cause something tells me this gets, you know, teaching others, these things is part of fulfillment for you. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, you look at my past, man, you know, 13 years in ministry, I did a lot of teaching. Um, I, I was a really good teacher then. I was a good public speaker. People enjoy listening to me speak and teach. I was not particularly good at the pastoral side of the of ministry. Just never, just, that was just not my thing. You said when I became a just a good pastor joke. He got out of preaching. He sends a lot. Um, you know, yeah. We all do. Yeah. I'm well, so, so then at moving into the classroom, Man, that was perfect because there wasn't really any pastoral duties that had to be. I didn't have to go visit people at home and go to funeral homes and do weddings and stuff. So I'm just a teaching and I'm performing all day long, class after class after class. And I connect with the kids and I tell stories. It was it was wonderful. I loved it. I mean, I was like, this is it. And then when I started this company, this this lighting company, all of that went away except training my salespeople and telling clients about what it is that we're going to do. So my teaching went from, if you look at a pie chart, went from all day, every day to like a sliver. 
And I didn't realize how big of a deal that was until I quit leading the company as CEO and started a coaching company. And by the way, that was never my intent to exit. I didn't exit to go start a coaching company. And I'll tell that story in a minute if you want to know. Yeah. But, but, but I wasn't able to teach it really at all until I left and started a coaching company. Now I'm back to the pie chart, the biggest slice of pie. As I'm teaching, I do podcasts all day long most days. I'm speaking on stages. I spoke on three stages this past weekend in different cities. And now I'm, you know, now I'm here doing this. So I get to do this all the time. So it is everything within me how God created me to exercise my gifts of leadership and teaching so that I can help people get to success and balance. What's uh, the speaking side of things? Um, did that just come naturally? What you, you, know, you created the curriculum? You're doing your podcast. Um, obviously, you've spent, a, you know, no matter what you did in ministry, some portion of it's probably in front of people and definitely teaching. You're kind of presenting all the time. So I'm sure it comes natural. But what, how did that start to fit in? It just Are you reaching out to people or they hear about your program? Like, where do those opportunities come in? So today, you know, this, this year, 2023 is the biggest year of opportunity for me getting on stages to speak that I've ever had. Um, of course, being good at anything is all about the reps. You got to get the reps in. It's all about consistency, consistency over a long period of time. And so I had all those years in ministry where I was teaching every single week, multiple times a week, speaking in front of groups of people. And then as a teacher, as you pointed out, you know, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm presenting all day long, most days. And then I, I lost that a decade of that during running the company years, even though I was still doing, you know, I'd have speaking engagements every once in a while, but this year, I don't know what happened. It just blew up. Like I started getting asked to be on stages in different places across the country. I spoke last year, a few different places across the country got invited. And then this year it just exploded as of, as of about a month ago, I had 28 uh, book speaking engagements as of a month ago, but but I just got invited again to do another one. So it's I've spoken in different country now, countries now, and it's like it's weird because I never intend like my intent is not to be a public speaker on the circuit, <laughs> but I really really enjoy it, and I like connecting with audiences. So I was in a I was at a conference yesterday in Nashville last night after dinner, the keynote, and I was able to talk to all these people who own very successful service-based businesses about how to double their revenue without increasing fixed overhead. And of course, you know, I say, that's what I'm going to talk about, man. Everybody's like, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> you got so my it was attention. Really great. I, yeah. <laughs> then, it, then, then I got to give away a bunch of books afterwards. I signed, I think I signed 50 books to give away. So yeah, I, dude, I dig it. I love it. I would, I love speaking. Now, I don't want to be a circuit speaker where I'm out every weekend, but I really dig it. What's, uh, What's the biggest thing? Like we talked a lot of a little bit, like with entrepreneurs, like the hurdles they have to get over and the Superman syndrome and all that stuff. But like, what's maybe like the most common blind spot that you see maybe working with entrepreneurs uh, or a few of the common blind spots beyond the self-importance issue? Um, the biggest, the biggest hurdle that all entrepreneurs and quite frankly, anybody has to get past is the hurdle of mindset. Mindset is everything. You are what you continually think about. You are what you repeatedly do and you only do what you repeatedly think about. So it's, it goes back to everything is here. Everything is between the ears. So business owners who are stuck in jobs 
they're really job owners, as you pointed out earlier, Ryan. Like business owners in that position are only there simply because of the way they think. That's it. It isn't anybody's fault. It isn't anybody outside of it. It's a way you think. The only thing God gave us 100% control over in this life, the only thing is the way we think. And so if we can understand that and tap into that, we can alter our reality by altering the way we think. So a lot of what I end up doing as a business coach is life coaching. It's around mindset. It's understanding, hey, you cannot say that. You know, I, I have decided over the last 12 months, man, I will not say out loud anything I do not wish to be true. <laughs> Manifestation. Yeah, Non-manifestation. <laughs> yeah. So if I, if I don't want it to be true, I'm not going to say it. Like I, I'm not going to say, man, I hope we don't have a flat tire on the way home. Like, why would I even conjure up that concept? <laughs> why would I say I, some, it, why would I utter something I don't want to be true now? So if you are stuck in your business and you say things like, man, and I, I work 60 hours a week, I have to be in this business. This business won't survive without me. Well, you or your your emotions seem to be saying that you don't want it to be true, but you just said it out loud, and your subconscious doesn't know the difference between reality and fake. It doesn't know the difference, but so your subconscious is only going to fall in line with whatever it sees and hears through your conscious mind. So that's, I, the illustration I give for people about this is: you go watch a scary movie. What happens? <laughs> Consciously, you actually know. It's all fake. You're watching it on a screen. These are actors. None of this is real. The ghosts don't exist. It's all. But what happens physically? Physically, your heart rate goes up. The hair on the back of your neck stands up. Why? Because the subconscious doesn't know the difference. The subconscious is seeing your eyeballs consciously take in something that's scary and intense. And your subconscious meets the reality where it thinks you're supposed to be. So in our business, we got to think about that too. So if I say, hey, man, I'm stuck in six figure land, man. I'm only making a hundred grand a year and I'm never going to make, I'm never going to make a half a million. I'm never going to, okay, you're not like whatever <laughs> you say out loud is going to end up being your reality. So that's the biggest hurdle that entrepreneurs face is right here. It's in their brains. Yeah. Oh dude. If I had my amen button, I'd have hit it already like four times. I can't. You know what I'm talking about too. Southern Baptist. You, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Hallelujah. When the deacons in the back, you know, they want to make sure the preacher feels good about what he's talking about. <laughs> For sure. Oh, man. It's so true, though, man. We we create our own reality. Like, it's, we, we, I think even entrepreneurs, like, sometimes, typically, if they've been successful at any level, they've gotten over it mostly. But, you know, we create our own things. Like, you, you got one person to blame. You got one, you know, look in the mirror. It all starts with you, doesn't it? hundred percent, hundred percent. Listen, and, and for all my years of having a Bible degree, doing ministry work, all these years, I missed it. I missed it. It's right there in scripture everywhere, all the way from Old Testament, to New Testament. It's talking about the power of the way we think about things. Jesus said, ask and you will receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. We over-spiritualize that in the church just to talk about salvation. But no, he was revealing the truth about life. If you want it, ask for it. If you want it, look for it. If you want it, go out and do something physically to get it because the way you think is going to lead to your reality. And we over, now I'm not saying it's not about spiritual things, but we, we isolate it into only spiritual reality. 
Paul writes to the Philippians in the New Testament, he says, listen, man, whatever is good, whatever is holy, whatever is true, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is worthy of excellence, if it's those things, he says, think on those things. In other words, meditate on those things. To the exclusion of, if it's negative, scarcity mindset, like don't think about this crap, don't do it. Pay attention to what's good. And so now, as I'm reading the scripture now with this new mindset of my own, new lenses, I'm going, holy moly. Like this was all in there the whole time. Our minds have creative power. They create our reality. God, gave, we're, we're made in his image. He's the creator. We have creative power. We can create out of what he made. We can't create out of nothing. That's only him. But we can create a reality out of the things we have before us. So if you want a reality different than where you're at now, if you're stuck in six-figure land and you want to get to seven-figure and eight-figure land, you have to start thinking about a new reality. Once you get them thinking the right way, does everything just start to come along? Like, I mean, you know, like when you're working with people, talk to me about like some of the nuts and bolts when somebody's working with you. So uh, the short answer to that is yes, but it's not as simple as that. Because here's the thing, when this changes, everything changes. But the fact of the matter is this thing, this mind of ours has been programmed for how many years you've been on the planet. You know, I'm 48 years old. So mine's been programmed for 48 years to think a certain way. Uh, I have seriously dived in over the last 12 months to reprogram my brain on purpose. This is not, a by, this is not by accident. And today I'm very different than I was. I'm totally different than I was a year ago. So to, to answer your question, Ron, if I get them thinking right, does everything change? Yeah, everything falls in line. Yes, but this is going to take long period of consistent change, long period of consistent thinking in a different way. Um, there's a book I just recently read that explains all this. It's called Psycho-Cybernetics. Have you ever heard of it? No. It's like, okay, so this is awesome. Everybody needs to go read this. It, and it's a much easier read than the title may sir. May, may <laughs> I, I was thinking like werewolf or something. <laughs> no, no, no. So, that, so, that, so I'll, give, I'll give a, I, I love this. So cybernetics is actually, um, it's, it's a word to describe how mechanisms work. They're programmed. So if you push this button on a machine, boom, something pops up. That's designed, programmed to do it. A computer, same way, cybernetic control. You hit this thing, this thing happens. It's programmed, it's pre-programmed. But hit this, this happens. If this, then that. That's, cyber, that's what cybernetics means. So everybody knows what that is like. Now, psycho-cybernetics is Max, Dr. Maxwell Maltz, who wrote the book back in the 50s. He said, hey, our brains operate much like a cybernetic machine. So there's this psycho-cybernetics, a psychology of cybernetics, that if you grew up in a certain environment with a certain family, with certain thoughts and certain options and whatever, certain education, your brain has been programmed, X happens, Y will immediately happen. So you and I, as entrepreneurs now, our brains work very different than the people who work for us, don't they? Like our brains have been reprogrammed. We're out of employee mentality. W-2 mentality is very different than where we're at, isn't it? Huh, like, very but we had to reprogram it because it took a while to do it. So when I work with my clients on this mindset thing, it's not a short-term thing. I, I don't take any engagements less than a year because I know that this is going to be a long slog to get things turned in the right direction. It actually, science shows us that 66 days to create a habit. 66 days every single day of doing something will create a habit. It doesn't create mastery, but it creates a habit. So I, we can create, think about how many things we can create over the course of a year. We can create six, almost six brand new habits in the course of a year if we do it right with the right coach, right mentorship, right program. 
So yes, the answer is yes. It will fall in line if they change their thinking, but it's not as simple as it seems. Who's your favorite, like, prototype, like, to work with? Like, you know, is there, like, a – like, I'm sure you'll help anyone, but as long as someone's willing to commit, but is there, like – or do you get, like, more satisfaction out of, like, a certain type? Is it, like, the skept, skeptical Sam or, uh, <laughs> like yeah. – <laughs> Well, I, I think that's a fair question. I, I think that from a psychological standpoint, I'm looking for growth-minded people. Yeah. You know, I can't scarcity minded people, fixed, fixed mindset people. I can't help them because they, their, their brain is not open to, they're not malleable. Yeah. You know, like there's nothing you can do there. They're, they're the Play-Doh that sat outside for way too long and it's done. You can't do anything with it. Um, but I want to take somebody that's malleable, but in terms of avatars, it's a 30 to 50 year old male founder of a business, married kids, probably doing between you know, minimum of 3 million, some, you know, ideally between 15 and 20, sometimes up to more 50 or 60, but somewhere in that area, that's the guys that I work with. And they spend too much time at the office. They spend too much time away from family, away from the things that matter. And they're doing it. They're sacrificing on the altar of their business, all the things they say are most important to them. And they have a small realization of that, but frankly don't know how to get out of it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, you have to be, at least mentally ready to grow, you know, like you said, like, I think to take that step, like, you know, <laughs> what they say first, the first uh, thing is like admitting I have a problem. <laughs> like, you know, first step, like wanting to, like, I, I want to grow, but I can admit I have a problem. I'm in the way. Yep. Awareness is a key to recovery in every step, step of life. Jason, how can everybody learn more about what you're doing and get in touch with you and follow along on your journey? Well, you can, if you just Google the real Jason Duncan, you're going to find me everywhere on YouTube, you're on LinkedIn, on Instagram. I'm, I'm at the real Jason Duncan on Instagram. I spend most of my social media time there. So you can follow me there. Um, but if you want a book, I've got an offer for your listeners. I, I've got the free book offer that you can only get to by using this link. It's the real Jason slash free book. And so if you go there, and uh, type in your information. You just pay the $5 for shipping and handling. We'll send you the free book. And it is this book right here, Exit Without Exiting. It's an international best-selling book that'll tell you all that you need to know about how to get out of your own way so you can start living your best life. And it's not just information. I actually wrote it. Uh, I created three different characters. I created Edward, Cheryl, and James. And I tell you their individual character stories about how they went through building and exiting a business and what pitfalls they, they encountered along the way. I love it. People learn by examples. So uh, very right. smart, man. I really appreciate it and I appreciate that offer. Hope everyone will go take advantage of that. Man, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Look forward to following along and uh, staying in touch. Thanks, Ryan. It's been good, man. Hey, guys, you know where to find us, the radcast.com. Search for the real Jason Duncan. You'll find all the highlight clips from today. We'll also link to that offer that Jason mentions within the show notes. And you can find it on our social media channels. You know where to find me. I'm at Ryan Alford on all the platforms. That blue check next to it. Before you can buy it, we'll see you next time on the Radcast. Attention business owners. Attention business owners. Feeling burnout from running your business? Uncertain if you're nearing burnout? Take our free 10-question business burnout test at businessburnouttest.com. 
to discover where you stand. With just 10 quick questions, you'll learn how to immediately begin making changes to regain freedom and success. Cut your daily operations time in half. Improve your quality of life and prepare your business for your future exit without losing revenue or profit. Visit businessburnouttest.com now and take the test. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.